So I want you to go to Acts 11 quickly, and I want you to look at something quickly there. Um, Acts 11, something that Connor said, and I, I, I'm going to be jumping around, but the the um, the direction is going to be the same, if I if I can put it that way. The 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 subject matter is going to be the same. You know, let's start it off like this. If you go to the book of Acts, from the very beginning to the very end, you see a person in the book of Acts very prominently in the leading of the church, in the providing for the church, in the guiding of the church. His name is Holy Spirit. And I want to emphasize, I, I, I wanted to do this this morning, I wanted to do it more profoundly, but maybe God is going to use it in a different way. I wanted to take that which Connor spoke about because it was so prominent to what we've been believing for the last couple of months since maybe even the beginning of COVID. I sat and spoke to a guy here on Friday night and he was talking about how God spoke to him, a pastor, at the entrance of 2020. And, and, and it's so similar in the sense that God using people all over the place to confirm something that God said, this is not a time that you were expecting. This is not a time that you were planning on. But it's a time that I'm going to be in the leadership. I'm going to be doing what I want to do in the earth. And what's, what's coming out of it is what people put their trust on, what people were in their comfort zone with, what people were doing before has come to a dead stop. And it stretched our comfort zone completely out of, out of commission. I mean, how did you? And, and I remember giving the word on, on the, the, the New Year's message of 2020. I, I remember giving the word, and the word was this. This is going to be a good year. I said, but it's not going to be according to what you're expecting. And hey, I didn't know what I was talking about. I said, but it's going to be like this, something like this. It's going to be like the Israelites in Egypt. There was darkness in Egypt, but in their houses there was light. There was blood in the water, but in their water was clean. There were frogs, but not with them. What were we talking about? We were talking about plagues. We were talking about that the plague was in the world, but it wasn't in their houses. It's a year plus. You're sitting here. Might not be good. Might not be exactly what you expected. You might have a different job. You might have no income at all. But the fact is, you're here. You're not dead, and you're not gone. You might not be where you want to be, but you're still here. If you know what I'm talking about, and in the second song Claudia sang was something to that effect, is that looking back, His goodness has followed me through this time, I can't tell you how I'm here. I mean, in about the second month of COVID, SARS came along and took all my money. The little bit I had, so I had nothing to trust on. And like, okay, thanks, SARS. That's nice. No, I didn't do it that way. I won't tell you the way I did it. You might lose your faith in me. But, but I'm still here. You're still here. How? I don't know. 
I've been in situations in my life where I didn't know where the next day was going to take me, and yet months later I look back and go, how did I get here? So I need you to, to take that and understand that in the midst of this, God is doing something. But you're going to need, and that's what I want to start talking about this morning, but I'm not going to finish it this morning. You're going to need spiritual discernment. Everybody go, you have smell. Everybody do this. You have touch. Everybody lick the sweet in your mouth. You have taste. You have five physical senses. Actually, you don't. You have seven. I'll tell you about the other two just now. Genuinely, medically speaking, you have two extra senses that we never actually consciously know we use. One's got to do with the physical balance in your life, that you actually can get out of bed in the morning and walk to the toilet without falling over. You have balance. And the other one is knowing that my right arm is hanging next to my side right now and not doing that. And my left arm is behind my back right now and I didn't Knowing the exact position of your limbs at any time is a sense. It's a sense inside of you that your brain does that you don't even think about. So balance is a sense, and the positioning connectivity of your limbs is a sense. But those two are very good because you don't know you're using them, but they're actually there. What am I saying? Spiritually, you have spiritual senses. And as much as you have physical ones to smell and see and touch and taste and that sort of, you have spiritual ones that enable you to discern what the Spirit is saying, what the Spirit is doing. And we need that right now. We need to go back into actually waiting on the Spirit and seeing the spiritual discernment of what God is doing, the spiritual discernment of sight. Holy Ghost, the angel of God, comes to Joshua and he says to him, See, I have given you Jericho. They haven't been near the city yet. But God says, I want you to see it before you can attain to it. See, I have given it to you. There's a seeing, there's a hearing, there's an understanding, there's a taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a spirituality in your senses. And going back to Acts, I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is, Acts is not our arrival point. We're not going back to Acts. But sadly, the church has missed a whole lot of stuff that we need to go back to Acts as a reference point in our individual lives, and I, I want you to say individually. This is not something, and this morning might be a little bit uncomfortable, but that's good. This is not a corporate thing. It will happen corporately, but it's going to happen corporately because you do it individually that you get into your life and do stock-taking and say, do I see the things in my life that were in the lives of the disciples in Acts? Because we get to that, you heard him saying, we get to a place of comfortability. We get to a place of status quo and we say, ah, I'm singing, 
I'm dancing, I'm doing everything that I would want to do in the church. I've got a lovely church that I go to. I receive good message. I've got good brothers and sisters. I'm comfortable. And then God comes along and says, I want you to go to Syria in the 1040 window and sit with people in the ashes of their ruins. Not everybody, but I'm using that as a vast difference in the understanding that the comfortability can be my greatest enemy, that I sit there, become comfortable, and it's actually a dangerous place. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? So Acts, when I see this stuff taking place in the book of Acts, should be a personal stock take to me. Go and say, do I see that? Because that is not my arrival point. That is actually just a detour around through that the church has got to go through to get to the place where they were at because that was the seedling church and, the, and a tree doesn't stay a seedling. But to get back to Acts is a good measuring point for me and you to understand that God wants to take us away beyond that in an ever-growing, increasing upward motion that will show the church until we get to, and if you, I, I, I see time is like running against us this morning, but if we go to the book of Acts 11, it says, and the Christians, the, the, the believers, the gathering of the church, were for, first called Christians in Antioch. He made a massive statement. I don't know if you got it. He said, they did not call themselves Christians. They didn't socially have a club that said we're going to give ourselves a name, we'll call ourselves the social club of Christianity. They didn't decide that this movement's going to have a name and we'll call it Christians. The social gathering around them in Antioch, the Greeks who were heathen, they were Jewish believers, called them Christians for the first time in Antioch. And, and, and we were in a very interesting discussion. Shortly after we left the service here on Sunday, we were with believers that said they don't really know whether they want to be called Christian anymore because a lot of people are going under the name of Christian that are not really Christians. And there was like this debate on the table. And Sean, in his wisdom, answered something. He said, just because it's not working in general around mustn't be the reason we don't stick to what is genuine, the real, the, the, not the counterfeit. There might be many counterfeit things out there saying, I'm a Christian, but never reacts as it, never bears the fruit of it. But that doesn't mean that you must go away from the originality of your name. You have to produce what is true to it, so that when people look, they say, that's Christian. Yeah, as, as Peter says, just because, you know, the, 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 the whole thing about, what did you say? Yeah, just because the car doesn't want to start doesn't mean it's a car anymore. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? We, we've, got to, we've got to find that thing. And, and if Connor did anything, he scratched a little bit in the fact that have a look in self-introspection and say, where do I find myself in the midst of this stuff? And is it working for me? And then, you know, so there's a whole lot of movement of the Spirit in the world right now. And probably the first thing it's going to do is going to knock on your door. 
is going to come to you at home and it's going to say to you, where do you find yourself in the positioning of what the Bible is saying to you? You know, the, the most dangerous place that any Christian can arrive at is when he says, I've arrived. At that very moment, you've reached a place of arrogance and disqualification that says, well, God can do no more for you because you say you've arrived. And the one guy I was listening to turned around and he said, how do you measure infinite, infinite, infinity? When you start to put God in a box and say, I understand who God is, you've just said, I understand infinity. You, you cannot understand him. You cannot measure him. You cannot embrace him. In that sense, he is infinite. He's infinity God. And he actually has all of creation that's still expanding on the inside of him. How do you measure that? So there is a moreness for you and me to experience on a daily basis. That's when he said, the works I do, you will do and greater works. Churches become comfortable. We don't look for that anymore. We're not looking to raise the dead. We're not looking to see deaf ears here. We're not looking to see blind eyes see. We, we, we've become comfortable with what we are, and we cannot do that. Amen? Christianity. Okay, let's take the word quickly. Christ. Christ is not Jesus' second name. Christ is anointed, anointing. One place he's talking about it in the Word, I think it's in John somewhere, he said, this was the Messiah. When translated, the Christ. Messiah, Messianic Messiah is a Jewish word from the word Meshuach, which means to rub upon. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He mashuached himself on Jesus. He oiled him. The sheep in the Far East get anointed with olive oil to prevent the parasites from sitting on them. So they rub oil into them, and it keeps the parasites off of them. God rubbed himself on Christ. The Father produced a presence on Christ. He rubbed himself on him. He, he covered him with himself. When you translate that word into Greek, it's Christ, Christos. But it hasn't been translated from there on into English, into Afrikaans, into French, Francais, into, into German. No, it's just stays Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. You cannot invite Dave to your house and expect him to leave his personality and character traits and senses behind. You, you, you invite Dave, you get Dave's package. Dave comes with all his nonsense. Okay, so, yes, says no, no. Okay, <laughs> so, 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 when Christ comes, the anointing comes. It's the anointed one. So Jesus, Christ, meaning the anointed one and his anointing. Now let me help you. Antichrist is not a person. 
It is a spirit. 1 John, 2 John tells you that the Antichrist spirit is already in the earth. Manifesting in a person like Hitler, manifesting in and on a person like Saddam, manifesting in and on different situations, communities and stuff, anti-anointing. Simple. What's anti-Christ? Anti-anointing. Anything that's anti-anointing is anti-Christ. Hello? So here we are as the Christians. That lost part, ions, is like a, um, a, a scientific term of the makeup of a, I'm not a scientist and I didn't do well at science, but an iron is like a, an atom, like a molecule. It's the makeup that makes that thing what it is. So we are Christ. Ions, we are the makeup of, the molecular structure of, scientifically, of the anointed one and his anointing. So when he turned around and said, little Christ, some people might have gone, he was not blaspheming. He was not saying something that is wrong. If you have the anointing of Christ on you, you are a Christian not by name because you go to a Christian church with a steeple and a bell and a cross on the outside, but because you are anointed with an anointing that has a flow and a connection that when you're moving out there, people know that you're an atmosphere changer. People know that you're a joy bringer. People know that you're a healing person. Walking to OK yesterday, and please, if I focus on myself, never ever to draw attention to myself, but more to say, I know the same stuff happens to you. And the guy that does the sanitizing, one of the managers in the OK, down the road here, has been to us a number of times. And he said to me at the door, he said, man of God, pray for me, I need prayer. I said, what is it? And he spoke to me, and it was, by the way, what we did this morning. He said, there are certain financial things, economic things that I need to change on. And I stood in the door of OK, and I prayed for him. That is your job. It's my job. It's our job to be able to be recognized as somebody that can pray for anybody at any time for a change of their lifestyle and their thing because we carry an anointing. Hallelujah. It's not where I wanted to be yet, but that's a good place to start is that they were called Christians for the first time in Antioch. Prophetically speaking, let's just, I don't preach the newspaper to prove the Bible, rather preach the Bible to prove the newspaper. I'm not focusing on end times when I tell you this, but have a look at this. They found themselves scattered all over Europe running for a faith thing. Right now, there are refugees from the Muslim faith also scattered all over Europe running for a faith thing. If your name is Duplicis, Duplicy, or one of those French names, Basoin, 
Labaskachni, all the Labashain, all those nice French names that we find with a place called France Hook down the road with a French monument to the 1820s settlers, Jean-Pierre. If we, if we look at all of that, the white South Africans that are in this country came from Europe because they were persecuted for Protestantism. They were also spiritual refugees. Right now, we're sitting with people from DRC, people from Zimbabwe, people from Ghana that cannot say purpose, but say purpose. No. And for the ladies, Annelies, Annelies, Annelies went to Ghana to preach, and she couldn't understand what the man was preaching about, and he preached, and he preached, and he preached, and she, she said, what is this man preaching about purpose for? In the meantime, the man was saying purpose with a Ghanaian accent, and, uh, and, and uh, um, Annalise couldn't pick it up. Is it a Nigerian accent? Purpose. But we've got Nigerians. We've got Ghanaians. We've got Frenchmen from DRC. We've got people from Pakistan. We have people all over, and a lot of them are here because they've run for their faith, for their for the. They are also here. And a pastor a couple of years ago, when it started going really crazy in South Africa, wanted to know by God, and, and, and what are we doing here? And God said to him in a message long before trouble came, he said, if you run away from your redemptive purpose, not purpose, okay, well, if, you, <laughs> if you run away from your redemptive purpose, you have no reason or mandate actually to be in the southern tip of Africa. Because we didn't come here of our own. We came here because of colonization. We came here because of refugees. We came here. But now that we're here, what is your purpose? What is your redemptive purpose? It's what it's always been. To the people in Europe, Right now, it's to preach the gospel. To the people in Africa, right now, it's to preach the gospel. To the people wherever, preach the gospel. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, preach the kingdom of God is at hand. That is your purpose. That is your destiny. That's who you are. And how do I do it? How do I do it? I do it by the anointing of the anointed one in my life because without him, I cannot achieve what I'm sent to do. I cannot do what you and I, we can't do without the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit did in the book of Acts. But if we do do it that way, we are going to see 5,000 saved in a day. If we do it that way, we're going to see people putting their possessions down. And I'm not calling you to sell all your goods unless God told you to do that. But people bringing in generosity for the movement of the kingdom. Hope I'm bringing some, I felt it important enough to take on what Connor took on and what we've been teaching on for months now about the Spirit and just bring it together in the service and say, guys, hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches. Remember, he says, he who has ears to hear in the book of Revelation, he says, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Hear, which hear? Spiritual hearing. 
my spiritual senses. So important to the right now of what God is doing. Are you with me? Okay, so that's Acts 11. We didn't read it, but, but, but go and read Acts 11. And th- then you know, the other thing that was to me very prophetic right now is he turned around and he said, um, Acts 19. And he said, they were there and they found a group of people. And he said to them, have you been baptized with the Holy Ghost? And they said, but we didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. He, now listen to this, and I think we need to start reading the Bible with that kind of correctness and that kind of a, a appreciation. He said, which baptism were you baptized with? He said, no, we were baptized with the baptism of John. If it wasn't important, Paul would have just left it there. He said, John baptized with repentance, a change of mind, to receive and be prepared for the coming Messiah. But he came. So they were all baptized again in the name of the one that had come. In the name of Jesus. And they were laid hands upon, filled with the Spirit. A couple of chapters back, Peter's praying on the top of the roof. Has a vision in the middle of the day. Unclean animals in a sheet coming down, kill and eat, kill and eat. I don't eat that, I'll never eat that, that's unclean, it's not halal, I'm not going to eat that. And then he says to him, how can you call unclean what I have cleansed? And it did nothing to do with food, but to do with people. To do with the fact that God has saved all mankind, has a plan for all mankind, but that was the change of that season. And just then there's a knock on the door, and heathen have also had a vision and a visitation. They are sending people to Peter. Peter goes down to his house, preaching the gospel, they baptized in the Spirit, and the immediate reaction of Peter says, how can we stop these that received the Spirit on the same way we did from being baptized? And he commanded them. I can't command you to be baptized unless you're talking in tongues. But if you're talking in tongues and the Spirit has filled you prior to your baptism, then I can say to you, now it's your turn, go and get baptized. But there must be a connect." to that spiritual account and that baptism or vice versa because I die in Christ and I'm raised in a new man and the spirit comes so this there's, there's this movement of the spirit that we find interacting in the church the whole time Holy Spirit is there Holy Spirit is there Holy Spirit is there and those who have their senses exercised by the Spirit in that way are moving and seeing what, I don't even know what word to use they're seeing huge miracles they're seeing huge growth they're seeing huge things done because they're not doing it in their own strength they're doing it in the power of the Spirit Do an interesting exercise. Take any word you like, but let's start with seeing. 
and start taking the word see and do it just in the New Testament. And start looking at the amount of times that there is a looking and a seeing encouraged in the Spirit of God. And while you're doing that, you'll start seeing hearing and hearing and seeing and hearing all spiritual. I, I, I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't yet have a plan. I'm honest enough to say to you, I don't actually know exactly how, but the Spirit has a plan for us to start exercising our senses. It, it says this in Hebrews. I think it's Hebrews 4.13. I didn't get there this morning. It says, having your senses exercised. He said, it's a sign of maturity in Hebrews 4. It says, by you exercising your senses. He said, you should have been eating meat, but I've got to give you milk because you are, you are unskillful in the word. Then he says, but have your spiritual senses exercised. That word there is gym, gymni something. The word we use for gym. We're living in a time that 90% of people have a gym contract somewhere. Doing something. Running next to the beach. Doing Pilates. Doing something for their physical body. He said it doesn't, it's not sin, and it, but it doesn't count for much. Have your spiritual senses exercise. Can I close with this? Quibbers wanted to hear the voice of God more often. So he determined in himself that whenever God spoke to him, the slightest thing that he thought might be God's voice, he would react to it. So he had a habit of drying himself off and throwing his towel on the bathroom floor and walking out. He just used that as an example. He said, and the voice said to him, pick your towel up. Said, no, I'll do it tomorrow, or the lady that works for us will do it. And he said, you want to hear my voice? Now start doing what I'm telling you in the simplest form. So he started doing whatever. This morning I walked out of the yard, and there was a, a round log that I've been working with wood, and there was like a piece this, this long, and, and, and I looked at it, and it's right in the pathway. I walked past it, and a little voice said to me, just now Albie stands on it and hurts herself. I could have just said, ah, she can see it. It's white and it's light. And I went back. It took me two seconds to walk five steps back and throw it out of the pathway. A couple of years ago, I closed the back door on New Year's Eve. There was a blank that we were using at that stage to keep the door open. It was outside the door, and I was late for New Year's Eve service. And a little voice said to me, pick it up and throw it away, put it one side. I didn't. When we got home, Albie stood on it and broke her ankle. I'm just saying. But when we start to exercise our senses, it's a sign of maturity that we will be able to hear in those most important moments. I'm not going to use his testimony. I'm going to use mine. There are times in ministry that make me really scared. Do you know what really scares me? 
is that after a service like this morning's and like it's a good service and we all have a good time and I thought I covered all the bases but I didn't, I'm not sure and people leave and someone comes up to me in tears afterwards maybe at a visiting church maybe where I'm visiting maybe here and says I was on the brink of suicide this morning I said to God listen to this I gave God specifics. Unless the pastor that's preaching this morning calls me out and tells me to come to the front and tells me what's going on in my life, my life is over. And I look at that person in the service, I call them to the front, I speak a word over them, but I know as a human being, as a person, fallibility I could just as well have left it. In fact, I was humming and hawing, should I close the service or should I call the person? I didn't. And I say, thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. And it could be that that's all I need to say. But I question the fact that how many people have I missed in my life because I wasn't exercised in my senses. I'm not trying to put condemnation on you. I'm trying to say to you, God is grace for you. God is grace for me. But we've got a bigger calling and a bigger responsibility to hear the voice of the Lord individually and corporately and be exercised in our senses. It's Holy Spirit time. It's time for the Spirit to move in the church. We've got to be sensitive to the fact that maybe God wants to do something totally different with the service. It shouldn't just come from me. If I'm standing up here and say to you this morning, we're not singing, we're not dancing, we're falling on our face this morning because that's what God said. We should all be, amen, pastor, I heard that. Clear as day, I heard that. Or the other way around. You know, this morning, all we're going to do is sing and dance. I heard that. This morning, you're going to minister to an individual you've never ministered to before. You should already have come to church with that person's face in your heart, in your heart and in your mind. And in your, I need to speak to that person. How often have I thought, it's me, it's me. Ah, David, it's just me. And then I go to somebody afterwards and say, I need to just talk to you. What I'm telling you about happened in Malmesbury two weeks ago when I saw like a light. I always say it's like a light on one specific row. I went to the one woman, she was that, that suicidal thing. The other woman I couldn't get to and she left. And I thought, ah, it's just you. She phoned me, she never phones me, she's never messaged me in her life. The next day, Monday, and said to me, will you please pray for me? I'm suffering in depression, da 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 da. And I could thank God, grab hold of her and say to her, I'm so pleased you contacted me because I was walking with a thought that I thought was myself. But it wasn't. It was you. Amen. I hope I touched you. I just wanted to touch on a few things. I didn't want to preach a big message this morning. I just wanted to say to you, hear the word. Perceive the time. Discern the time you're living in. Do not be condemned. Be really excited because God has got you in mind for a time such as this. You are not in this place and not here on a coincidental thing. God has got you positioned 
for a time such as this, Peter. I, I want to share a prophetic word, and Adele just dropped something in my ear now, which reminded me of what Prophet Quibus said those years ago. And if you recall, with Connor being here last week, he spoke about where it started in the early 1900s with William Seymour with the Sousa Street Revival. And throughout the last century plus, we had, after the Sousa Street Revival, we had the miracle-moving revival of the Jack Coes and the A. A. Allens. And it, it was always centered around a few people that God used, and there was a revival. That was, and then we had the faith movement, the charismatic revival, um, the Kenneth Hagans, the, you know, and, and God used certain people to revive something within the church. And then we had the joy revival, and there was the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship in, in Canada, and Brownsville, Pensacola, the joy revival where God was restoring joy to the church. Remember the word says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, one of righteousness, which is faith, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I'm reminded this morning as Pastor Dave speaking and Adele whispered something in my ear. There was a prophetic word that Quibus prophesied. He says, and the last revival will not be centered about one aspect specifically and won't just be in pockets in certain churches that God uses, but it'll be a church-wide corporate revival that will move within the body of Christ. And and all the and all the aspects, joy, signs, wonders, miracles, all the aspects of the mature Christ will be prevalent in that revival and all will be used it won't be a one name thing it will be an all thing because we're the body of Christ and we're the bride and I want to say so much about the bride still but it's a spirit thing won't you stand with me this morning just open your hands in, in, a, in a manifestation of receiving Say with me, Father, I want all. I want more, and I want all that you have to give. I open my hands, I open my heart, and I perceive that I am in a position of receiving. I receive now. The time, the place, the moment in the Spirit to receive. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's give God a praise offering. So glad you were here. And uh, take the light. And go out into the streets and do with it what God shows you to do. Amen.